Hello, hello, and thank you once again for choosing to spend your time at my table. Today we're going to continue the book of Luke, chapters 7 and 8, and I pray they are a blessing to you. I will be sharing insights alongside with the scriptures taken from New International Version Bible, and you are welcome to follow along with me with a Bible version of your choice. When Jesus had Finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. And if you did not know what a centurion is, it's a commander in the army, an authoritative figure in Roman's army. There a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So they basically interceded on his behalf. They have spoken on his behalf. Because he loves this nation and has built our synagogue. So he is doing good things for the kingdom. He's doing good things for the body of Christ. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. An astonishing faith, faith that moves mountains. This man knew authority, yet he did not see himself as worthy to come to Jesus. He saw himself less than. He said, I don't deserve you to come under my roof. Just say the word. I know the authority. I know how it goes. I tell my servant to do this and he goes. I tell my, my other servant to do that and he goes and does that. So he recognized Jesus and his authority. And Jesus was astonished at his fate. This was a great fate. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And as a result, this centurion, this Roman soldier, an authority figure, was healed. His request was fulfilled. Soon after, Jesus went to a town named or called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, 
His heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. In other words, he had compassion upon this woman. When he went up and touched the, the buyer, they were carrying him on. So this was a, an object that they were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. Now reading this story, you're like, man, that, that really happened. Luke tells us an account of Jesus. And he doesn't leave out the details. Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And this is a, a funny moment right here. I mean, it's, a, it's, not a, it's not a funny moment as far as the story goes. But if you had seen a dead man raise up, which you knew was dead, weren't you be the one on the floor? <laughs> I mean, I would be, right? We could not stand this type of miracle. They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has, God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. And Luke makes sure that he pens in the details. And what details they are. This is a powerful testimony of Jesus. And I hope you're paying attention. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he said them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? When the man came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you and to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? John the Baptist had a carnal moment. He had a moment of doubt. He had a moment of confusion. He had a moment of undecisiveness. And so he sends some people to him and asking this question, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Yeah, I hear of these miracles. Yeah, I see what's going on about you, the Messiah. And Jesus at that moment said, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. That is the whole purpose of the Messiah, right? The whole purpose is to see that which is lost, is to save that which is lost, to seek and save that which is lost. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothing? No, those who wear expensive clothing and indulge in luxury are in palaces. 
But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, the more, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. All the people, even the text collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisee and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. And this is a side note from BibleStudyTools.com. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you say he has a demon. The son of man came drinking, eating and drinking and you say here is, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right but all of her, by all of her children. And so Luke gives us an account of what was happening. There's a moment of doubt. John is sending messengers to Jesus asking, are you the one? Jesus, self-explanatory, says, look at, look at the things. Look, look, at, look at my fruit. Look at my fruit. The lame are walking. The dead are being raised. The deaf hear and the mute speak. Judge for yourself. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now I want to stop right here because that's a very familiar story. A lot of us have heard this story. A lot of us have read about this story. And so she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Simon says, tell me, teacher. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to tell a parable. But before we um, go into the parable, I just want to take a moment and dissect this little story of the woman with the alabaster box with the alabaster perfume bottle she has brought in a very expensive perfume and she is pouring out on Jesus she is spending her time at the feet of Jesus but the Pharisee they are not seeing what she's doing they are paying attention how it would benefit them. I heard the pastor, matter of fact, my pastor say that some of the some of the people that were in that building, 
they like to take they like to take some money from the offerings that the people of God will bring to the table. And so they're not looking at what she's doing, but rather how it would benefit them. How it would benefit them. They knew that it would benefit their pockets. So they're speaking against what she is doing, but they're not seeing the bigger picture. They're not seeing what she's doing. She's doing a beautiful thing for the Lord. They're not seeing the picture. And so Jesus begins to tell a parable. Two people owned money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, had not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she had poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little lives loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guest begins to say among themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Another powerful moment. Jesus is telling a parable to demonstrate this principle. He said, Whoever was forgiven more appreciates what Jesus had done more. And I can relate to this because in the past, I was that tax collector. I was that sinner. I was that woman with the alabaster box. And I know the value of what Jesus did for me. I know the value of what Jesus had done for me. And therefore, I'm going to do everything in my power to give him glory and give him honor. Even if it means giving away that alabaster box that cost me so much. Others may not understand the value, but I understand the value. Others may have something to say about it, but I don't care what they got to say. Because it's between me and Jesus. And Jesus approves of what she has done. Let us not judge others. Let us not judge those that are spending their time with the Father. Let us not judge those that are putting on in their time and effort to spend at the time of Jesus. You don't know what he did for them. You don't know the price. You don't know the value. Instead, ask Jesus to help you see. 
Thank you once again for joining my table. This concludes Luke 7, and I pray it was a blessing to you. God bless you, and take care. So, continuation of the book of Luke, chapter 8. And this parable actually is a diff uh, it's spoken from a different perspective by author Luke, parable of the sower. Very familiar parable to many of us. So I'm going to be reading from the International Version Bible, and you're welcome to follow along with me with a Bible version of your choice. And I will also be sharing insights that are alongside with the Scripture by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I pray they are a blessing to you. Thank you once again for joining. Thank you for coming here and choosing to spend your time with me. God bless you for all that you do for his kingdom. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded the crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that, seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not understand. So he's, he's sharing this everyday story with, his, with, with the disciples and even those that were in surrounding region. And the disciples come to him and say, why do you speak to us in this way? Or why do you speak to the crowd in this way. And he said, there's a purpose for it. That seeing they may not see, hearing they may not understand. So only those that are meant to hear it or meant to see it will see it and hear it. Everyone else will just think of it as a simple lesson or a simple story from everyday life. 
And so he goes on to say, this is the meaning of the parable, verse 11. So if you want to know the meaning of the parable, you go here, verse 11. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. He goes on to say, those on the rocky ground, they are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but if they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So Jesus says this is the meaning of the parable. It sounds so simple, right? A farmer goes out and he scatters the seed and some falls here, some falls there. And to those that simply have no spiritual understanding. They will say, what in the world is he talking about? But Jesus had a purpose for it. Jesus was speaking with a message through a an everyday story. And this particular one has become a popular parable among Christians today. And so he begins to explain it to his disciples in private. But to the crowd, he only spoke in parables. He spoke in simple, in simple terms to the crowd because they didn't have the ears to hear or eyes to see. But those that did, they would seek the Lord in private and say, Lord, what did you mean when you said this? And so he would explain it. So, let us also come into the secret chambers with the Lord and seek for understanding, seek, seek for interpretation of his holy scriptures. Because though we hear a story, there is a deeper meaning within. I pray that was a blessing to you. It surely has been to me. Verse 16, he goes on. I, I say it's another parable because if you notice, there's a simple matter being painted of everyday life. Principle. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. And so Jesus just begins to teach his disciples the principles. It says, hey, no one lights a lamp and hides it under a bed or puts in a clay jar. There's a purpose for the light and it is to shine. The purpose is to put it on a stand. 
is put it out so that people can see the light. And from there, he goes on to, to even go into deeper. For there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed. Goes deeper into the light that will not be known or brought out into the open. So he just begins to speak to them about different things concerning the light and, and uh, other matters. And so every time that I see this particular, I call it parable because it is an, it is an analogy as well. It reminds me of my days when I was a teenager. I hid my light. I didn't, I didn't really put it out there. When I was out with my friends, I didn't let them know I was a Christian. When they talked about other people, I didn't stand, stand up to say anything when the, those particular friends were slandering others. I didn't say anything, anything else as well. I, I did not want to be that one that sticks out, right? I did not want to be that light. Um, but that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you are the light. Why are you hiding your light under a bed, right? Why are you putting your light into the clay jar? Why are you hiding your light? And at a time, I didn't know any better. At a time... I didn't really know the scriptures. I really did not know any better. And I listened to my feelings and, and my emotions. And I allowed them to dictate to me whatever they felt at a time. And so when I was around other friends, I didn't feel like I had to, sh I had to shine my light. I wanted to be like them in the darkness. I didn't want to shine my light because it was too bright. I didn't want everybody to know I was a Christian, you know. Um, if I had to relive it, I don't know if I would do the same thing. There's purpose for everything because today, because today I shine that light ever so brightly. For all those years that I've hid the light, I shine this light ever so brightly knowing that that's my purpose, is to shine the light to those around me. And I pray this was a blessing to you again. Let us continue. Verse 19. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting, wanting to see you. He replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So his intent, his intent were people of the kingdom. He wasn't concerned so much for his family. His concern was kingdom. And even when they came around to see him, He, he focused on his mission. He focused on his purpose. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And so just 
let us continue with the study. And, uh, you know, the author will mention some of the details. He might not go into it too deep. But you are welcome to take the scripture and dissect it further because that's what I do at times. I take the scripture, I pray over that scripture, and I ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to me what he wants to reveal to me at the moment. I ask him to open my eyes to see beyond what I see. That means to see beyond my understanding, my human human understanding, human knowledge. And he does. He shows me things. I ask him to reveal things to me that I did not see before. And so he does. And if he did it for me, why wouldn't he do it for you? If he does it for me, why wouldn't he do it for you? Ask him. Ask him. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask and you shall receive. And so therefore, let, let us continue, but let's keep that in mind. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came, a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked, and his, uh, he asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And so Luke wants to give us another outlook of Jesus' testimony. He says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. And so they did. While they were crossing, Jesus fell asleep. Storm came up. Disciples were scared, afraid. They came to Jesus and said, Jesus, don't you care that we are drowning? And Jesus simply got up and rebuked the wind. He didn't, he didn't continue to fight with the wind. He didn't continue to do whatever it is that we do as humans. He got up and rebuked the wind. And the storm obeyed him. And the storm subsided. And all was calm. And I remember a particular dream that I had where in this dream, I was hiding from some type of storm. I remember I was getting my water ready and, and so forth. And while I was running around, just, you know, getting things together and closing the door, in my spirit, in this dream, I heard the Lord say, why are you hiding and immediately I said, well, there's a storm coming and I need to go and hide. I need to go and prepare. And I remember in this dream, the Lord saying, did I not give you authority? Did I not give you to, the authority to speak to that storm and it shall dissipate? And I remember this 
very clearly because when I woke up, I was filled with that type of faith. And immediately in this dream, I, I rose up and I spoke to the storm. And immediately the clouds, they were so dark, they dissipated. And I said, Lord, what does it mean? And he said, every storm in your life that comes to destroy you, you have authority over it. You have authority to speak to your storm. Did I not give you the authority to trample the lion and the cobra? Did I not give you the authority to rebuke the wind and the raging waters? And we as believers ought to rise up and speak to that storm. Whatever that storm is in our lives. Jesus is not sleeping. Jesus is in the boat. When we rise up in authority, the storms of our life obey us and they subside. Immediately in this dream, as I rose up to speak to that storm, I looked up and all the dark skies dissipated. And that was the end of my dream. When I woke up, I was filled with authority. I remember being so bold and courageous in the midst of my storms. I began to speak to my storms, whatever the storm was in my life. And I felt as if the storms really cleared up. And they were coming, more storms were coming, but I was in control. I was in control. So today... If you are listening to the sound of my voice and you have some type of storms in your life, you have, you are going through something very, very troublesome today. You're going through trials and fires and, and uh, you're facing these unbelievable storms and you feel like you can't really go on. You feel like Jesus is sleeping in the boat. You feel like, hey, Jesus, can you hear me? I'm going through something here. He is there to hear you. But not only is he, he is there to hear you, he gave you the authority. He gave me the authority to speak to those storms and they will dissipate. Rise up and be who God created you to be. I pray this was a blessing to you because it was to me. When I, when I had that dream, it was amazing when I woke up. This was in, I believe, 2017. When I woke up, it was amazing. I could speak to those storms. And even today, I find myself, I find myself discouraged at times. Even today, I find myself going through some troubles and, and, and facing some storms. But I remember that dream where God gave me the authority. And not only do I remember the dream, I remember what Jesus said to his disciples. Where is your faith? He says, where is your faith? We ought to rise up. We ought to rise up in our faith. And the storms and raging waters in our life will dissipate. 
I just love not just the book of Luke. I love all the four books of the of the gospel because they tell a story of Jesus, the wonders, the miracles, the signs, and and all that Jesus performed while he was on earth. Gives us a slim, a small glimpse into Jesus's life. He was a man of faith. He was a man of miracle, man of wonders. And not only are we to read the story, we are to apply what we hear to our lives. Not only are we to be amazed at the stories, but we are to take them and take lessons from them so that we can also benefit. 26, they sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. I don't know if you've ever been faced with a demon-possessed man. I came really close, not, not as much as this one in the Bible, but I came to... Um, uh, I came across a man that was uh, demon possessed. Um, I could I could feel it when I when I even spoke to him, and he was talking about some some crazy stuff. And uh, I don't know how Jesus felt. Like I was I was just um, as a car as a carnal person that I was at a time. I was definitely filled with fear, but I knew that the Lord was with me. Um, because I could feel, I could feel just the, the demonic possession from that, that was coming from that man. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in the house, but had lived in the tombs. So this is a description of a man that doesn't really come across people. He's, he's that wild man, right? One that does not that does not come across many people. When he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. Demons know authority, right? For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the men. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. This was a man that was filled with demons. This was a man who was imprisoned. He was imprisoned. And was driven by them. And Jesus asked him, what's your name? What is your name? He wasn't speaking to the man. He was speaking to the demons. Legion, he replied. Because many demons had gone, out, gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the ab abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on a hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the men, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down and steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what, they ha what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the men 
from whom the demons had got, gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. This was a wonder. This was a miracle. This was a sign. All three at one, right? Like, can you imagine something like this happening today? But we see Jesus was in charge everywhere he went. Jesus was in charge. He rebuked them demons. He casted them out. He didn't didn't really ask questions. He just casted them out. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out back to go with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. He basically said, go home and testify to those that know you, to those that see you. Go and tell them what Jesus had done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She had an issue. Side note. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. She received her healing. Side note. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone has gone out of me. He says, I know you're telling me there's a lot of people, but I felt this special touch. Okay. I felt this special moment. Then the woman seeing that she could not go unnoticed came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him. And how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once... She stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. 
Her parents were astonished and he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house when this woman came across, the woman with the issue of blood. And she touches him and she gets healed. Jesus doesn't continue on his journey. He stops and he gives him gives her his attention. And she is healed. Now we also see this other moment where Jairus, I guess a servant comes and he says, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore because, you know, the, the woman that, uh, I mean, the, the little girl that we were telling, not the woman because she was, she was 12, um, the little girl is dead. Just forget it, basically. But Jesus said, no, it's not too late. I got this. And he went in and he performed a miracle. Everybody saw it. Everybody saw it. She was dead, but now she's alive. God can do anything. This is a, this is a story that shows us that God is a God of miracles. God is a God of wonders. And we are not to limit him to anything. With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And I want you to remember that. Thank you once again for joining my table and this study. I pray it was a blessing to you. If you have not joined my private community on Facebook, please do so. Hashtag Sword Study Delight or facebook.com slash groups slash Sword Study Delight. I hope to see you there and welcome you into the group. God bless you and take care.